A couple of weeks ago, we started a, a series on All In, and uh, that at some, at some point, Jesus expects us to make a full, full commitment to him. There's going to come that point where we have to make a decision. Am I all in with him or am I not? Life here and life in eternity will not work if we're not all in. And in some, uh, and in some sense, this means that things are different for each one of us. There's different callings, different places. As we prayed at the start of this service, all of us aren't called to go be an, uh, an intern and to work and to give some time in South Africa this summer. But one person is, and that's all in for them. But all of us have that place and those things where we're called to give our best, to do our all. But then there are standards that are the same for all of us, where all of us should be fully committed to them, and we should be doing the same things together. And that's where we want to talk a little bit more today. Last week, Dan was here, and he talked to you uh, about worship and our expression of worship and our commitment to worshiping God because he is worthy of our worship. And, and I was over at the traditional service and shared this message last Sunday. And so I want to invite you to open your hearts and let's begin to consider these areas where we are supposed to be all in. So let's stand and open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. This is the words of Jesus at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, this is one of the most clarifying doctrinal statements. If you're having problems and troubles in your life and you wonder why, listen to this really clearly. Listen to what it says. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had its foundation, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Father, we thank you for your word that should give us insight into how life works. Help answer some of our questions, even though we know every one will not be answered. In some measure, we live by faith. But Lord, you give us what we need to know, and you give us a lot of things we need to know right here. Now today, Father, help us to be a people who take note of it, listen to it, grow in it, do it, and walk in your faith, I pray. Bless the men and women in this place today. Bless them with new, with new insight, new understanding, new revelation of where they are right now in their life. And at the end of this service, as we gather around this altar with those who have needs in their life, bless them and touch them. Give them direction and healing, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As you walk through life, you've got to be a little bit, <clears throat> excuse me, you've got to be a little bit careful. The world is full of con artists. A con artist is a person who exploits the confidence or the desire of his victim to take from that person what is his for nothing. 
to rip them off. It may be uh, as simple as an email from some prince in Africa who just needs your routing number to your checking account to deposit a bunch of money in there just for you. It may be as simple as a letter in the mail that looks official, looks like an official bill that you have to pay for something and what it really is is a scam. I, I got one a few weeks ago and it, you owe $23.95 for your subscription to such and such a magazine. I never had such and such a magazine. Never ordered one in my life. Just somebody, just some group trying to get you to think you owe them some money and to take your money for something you didn't want in the first place. So what a con artist does is they, they play on our desires. They play on your fears. They play on your confidence to try to get you to give them what you have. A number of years ago, there was a person in Springfield claiming to be a Christian, saying that he was an investment guy. And if you gave him money, he would put your investment money into investments that Christians could feel good about. You wouldn't be investing in things that the world wants to, wants to support. You'd be investing in good things, in healthy things, and things that as a Christian you can be glad you invested in and not in something that was unseemingly, unseeming to a, to a Christian. And he came around and he went from church to church and met people and he looked the part and uh, he looked good. Everything about him seemed good and several people invested with him. Many, some invested life savings with him. But he was a con artist. At the end of the day, many of them ended up with nothing. Stole it and took it all. all. You see, a con artist doesn't come up to you and hand you a card that says, Hi, I'm Mark Johnson, con artist. Been doing this for 20 years, 20 years of experience, invest with me. The con artist doesn't hand you a card saying, listen, I'm Mark Johnson, liar extraordinaire. Don't believe a word coming out of my mouth. They don't announce who they are to us. They don't come up and say, hi, I'm, I'm Mark Johnson. I would cheat my own mom out of everything she owns and leave her a ward of the state. They don't announce that because they're con artists. They're deceivers. They're liars. That's not how the con artist works. No, the con is short for confidence. They want to gain your confidence. They want you to trust in them. They want you to feel good about what you're doing right up until the moment it all comes to light and it's too late and it's a lie. The enemy is the chief of con artists. He paints his offers to appeal to our weaknesses. He appeals to our flesh. He appeals to our desires. He appeals to, our, to, to us trusting that life is found in him and found in these pathways. In 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, 14, it says, 
And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And he's warning us about what Paul's warning us about in that scripture is false prophets, false teachers that come in the name of Christianity and look good, sound good. Everything about them looks like something you want to invest in or commit yourself to, but they're false and they're deceptive. And he says, no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Now here's the number one lie the enemy wants to tell you. The number one lie he wants to whisper in your ear. I don't really exist. I'm not really a being. I'm just, there's just some evil things that go on out there that are the makeup of people, but I don't really exist. Because see, as long as you doubt his existence, you will not be on your guard for his attack. Paul tells us just the opposite. He tells us that we should not be unaware of the devil's schemes. That we should pay attention to how he works in lives and how he wants to work in our life. The con artist loves ignorance. He loves us not knowing the truth. If you don't know the truth, he can tell you any old thing and it's fine. Many years ago, a friend of my dad's for Christmas, a guy my dad had done some business with, bought my dad and brought him for Christmas a clock. It's a pretty big clock, about this big. And uh, that clock is before computers, before you have all, all the computer things that we have now. So it's a pretty snazzy clock. It had a, a picture of the world on it. And on this clock there were 10, 12, 15, I don't know how many, 20 different places where you could tell the time of Moscow or Chicago or Buenos Aires, all the different, all over the world. You could look right at that clock and just kind of scan across the clock and see the time. Now, now we can do that on our iPhones if we want to. But back then, you couldn't, do, you couldn't do that. And it was a pretty snazzy thing. They had them in these gift magazines. You could order them. I think they were about $39, $40 in these gift magazines. My dad had that for a while, and our band was traveling, and I was speaking, and we were over in another state. And uh, after, after the concert that night, the pastor says to me, he says, hey, I, I want to show you something I've got. This is the coolest thing. He said, this guy came through town. And this guy makes all kinds of unique, one-of-a-kind things. And he says, he came through and he showed me some of these things that he makes, unique, one-of-a-kind things. He goes, the only one in the world. I've got the only one in the world. He goes, come on back here. I want to show you this clock I have. And he walks me back there into his office and stands me in front of this clock. That's exactly like my dad's clock. Same exact thing. And he, he, said, I, he told me how many hundreds of dollars he had paid this guy for this clock. I didn't have the heart to tell him. My dad's got one just like it sitting in his office. Just like you have one in your office. What had happened? A guy had come along and sold him on the desire to have something nobody else had. And got into his pocketbook. See, the enemy plays on our ignorance. 
He plays on something we don't know. He's counting on the fact, that con guy was counting on the fact that pastor hadn't seen, hadn't opened one of those gift magazines and hadn't seen the clock that you could get for $39. He was counting on the fact that he didn't know any better and it worked out good for that con man in that set of circumstances. That's what the enemy wants to do to us. He wants to swindle us and steal from us. And the best way he can do it is when he finds the places where, where we're ignorant. See, what you don't know can hurt you. You heard that saying, what you don't know can't hurt you? That's a lie. What you don't know can hurt you. It can cost you something. You can find yourself in pain and suffering because you do something because you didn't know. So the enemy wants you to be ignorant. He doesn't want you to be diligent. He doesn't want you to pay attention. He doesn't want you to learn. He doesn't want you to grow. He wants to keep your Bible covered with dust. He wants to keep you haphazard and being in places where you can talk with others about faith. He wants to get you committed to one person or one thing that's deceiving. The enemy wants to keep you as ignorant as he can keep you so he can steal from you as much as he can. Our job is we have to be diligent. The second tool the enemy uses in this is he uses doubt. The enemy appeals to some fear you have or some desire you have to doubt God's way of doing things. He wants you to believe that God's way of doing things or what God has said doesn't make sense. He, wants you to, he doesn't want you to put faith in God. He wants you to put faith in yourself or in this world. And in this means, when I put faith in him and I try to do things my way instead of God's way, I'm perfectly set up for the enemy to rip me off. So the enemy appeals to our desires and our fears. He whispers into our heart, it's okay. God understands why you're doing it this way or why you refuse to do it that way. God understands. Yes, God understands. He understands you're being deceived. He understands that the liar is talking to you. He whispers, the enemy whispers in my heart, into our hearts, oh, that's just for the Old Testament. That's not for the New Testament. That ended when the apostles died. That's not for you. Or that's not what it really means. That's just what the preacher says it means. It's not what it really means. So if you have a desire that is contrary to the word, he appeals to that desire. He appeals to that fear so you won't live in faith and trust God. And he reels you in. And he sets you up for his, his destruction. Here is the standard for all in. If you're going to be all in, you have to be all in with God's word. You have to be highly committed to saying, I'm going to live my life by the way the word of God tells us to do it. Hear what Jesus says. He says, the foolish man hears the word and ignores it. He makes an excuse not to live by it. It's the wise man who hears it and practices it. 
Now, it's, it's important to understand this because sometimes as Christians, people say to me, why is this happening? I, I had this asked me this week. Why is this happening to me? Well, well, listen to what Jesus says. The winds, the rains, the water beat against the house. Whose house? Just the foolish man's house? The wise man's house. Things happen to all of us. Things come against all of us. The winds, the, the floods come against the foolish and against the wise. The difference is this. With the foolish, they're not built on a foundation of God's word and their life crumbles with a great crash. While with the wise, they stand. See, we are supposed to be storm exempt. Now take a look at this house. They're going to put this house up there. See this house? That's a house. Maybe they have another picture from another side of it. You have the other See, now that's all one house. Renee and I were down in Florida, and we were on a walk, and we walked by this house. And we walked by it that week four or five times. It looks like a hotel. And Renee says to me one day, she says, how much do you think that house is? I said, oh, that's at least $10 million. That's house at least $10 million. Got to talking to some people who lived down there after that, and they said, oh, you're staying at that place down from, from the Philadelphia Phillies owner's house. That's his, that's his house in, down in, in, in uh, Clearwater. And I said, yeah. And I, they said, how much do you think it costs? When Renee said, well, Mark said probably $10 million. They said, no, 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 that, that house costs $25 million. So think about our church. It costs like three times more than our church. $25 million. They said, that thing is storm rated to, take on, to, to handle the biggest storm, the biggest hurricane that could hit this area. They said, if the strongest hurricane possible came in and hit this area, it's raised so everything else will be wiped out. That house will be standing there. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but I'll tell you this. God wants you to be that way. He wants you to be storm resistant. He wants you to be able to overcome any storm that comes your way. And so he tells us, Jesus tells us, if you build your life on my word, if you practice it, a lot of people know it, don't practice it. If you practice it, if you obey it, if you do it, Hey, the storms are going to come. The wind's going to blow. Things are going to happen to every one of us. But you're going to stand in the storm. Amen. You're going to be exempt from what the enemy wants to do. And when the winds are gone and the water rolls away, there you're going to be standing right in the midst of it. And so right in the midst of the storm, you can stand there with confidence knowing this storm's coming. I don't, I don't know how, how hard these winds are going to blow or how much water's going to come, but at the end of the day, I'm going to be right here. I'm going to be just fine because God has promised me that if I obey his word, I'll stand in the storm. That's why the enemy wants you to be ignorant of his word. That's why the enemy wants you to doubt his word. Because when you doubt his word and you're ignorant of his word, you're no longer storm exempt. Now you're that foolish man. And when the storms comes and it wages against your life, it's going to fall. So what do we have to do? We have to obey his word. There has to be an all-out effort.
to know God's word. I, I just want to challenge you. You need to read God's word daily. Just, you just need to read God's word daily. If you don't know how to do that, listen, you, you don't read God's word. The best way to read God's word isn't to start at the beginning and read your way through. That's not the best way to do it. That's like, you know, picking up a, a syllabus at your local college and saying, okay, I'm going to start with the first class listed and I'm going to take every class right in an order. That's not the best way to do it. You, there's, there's a better way to help you read and understand the Word. And if you don't know how to do that, in your small groups you can talk about what other people do. You can come see one of us pastors. We'll talk to you about the, where to start. And how to, but you need to be reading the Word every day. Just taking some time. Every, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be five hours a day. But you just need to begin to say, I, I'm going to hold precious the word of God. I'm going to open it up and I'm going to read it every day. And I'm going to pray as I read it. God, let this get planted in my spirit. You need to be in a place where you can talk about the word of God. Where, where you can sit with other believers and talk about the Word of God. That's why we have small groups. That's one of the reasons we encourage you to get into a, a C2 group where you can talk about what we're learning and talk about practical application in your life. Do you understand that at the different stages of life, there are different practical applications for God's Word? Because my life is changing. The circumstances of my life are changing. The things of life are changing. The retired person from the person who's going to the workplace every day, there may be different things going on and different tests and different trials happening in their life. The one with children in the home and the, compared to the one whose children are all gone, there's different things going on in life. The single person, the married person, different things going on in life. But as we talk about how to apply the word, we get stronger in our specific circumstances and I want to encourage you, be diligent to be in places where you can talk. If you're not in a small group, Get signed up. Oh, wow, that would be a big leap. Yeah, the enemy doesn't want you to take that leap. The enemy wants you to be afraid of that leap. He doesn't want you to step out and begin to build relationship with other believers because the more ignorant you are and the less diligent you are, the more he can rip you off. You have to sit and teach him. You have to look at areas of your life and say, you know what? I'm not getting the promises of God right there. I better go get in a class about that. I better go learn about that. I, I better go listen to people who know something about that so I can get better at that. And we know that in the other areas of our life. Do we recognize that in this area of our life? And I would tell you, you need to be faithful to church. When I was a kid growing up, uh, when I was a kid growing up, most people made it to church, you know, they missed once or twice a year. Now they tell us the average church attender uh, misses 16 weeks a year. That's just amazing to me. Does it strike you as, as strange that in a day when there's so much attack against Christian faith, where the, 
we're in an age where the standards of God's word are being undermined from every side, from music to government to popular culture. Everywhere, everywhere we look, there's an attack on Christian faith and the fundamentals of Christian morals. Do you agree with that? And yet we live in a time when it's harder to get Christians to come to church than ever before in the history of the American church. To look at a Christian today and say, you know what? You need to be faithful on Sunday morning and it'd be great if you come on Wednesday night and it'd be really wonderful if you get in a small group and you got Christians going, well, this is really a demanding church. You really expect a lot out of us. How can you demand so much from us? Because we're trying to protect you from a con artist. There's a sat satirical piece that was written. I want to read this for you. I think you'll like it. Uh, local father Trevor Mickelson, 48, and his wife Carrie, 45, are reeling after discovering that after 12 years of steadily taking their daughter, Janie, to church every Sunday, they didn't have a more pressing sporting commitment which was at least once every three months, that she no longer demonstrates the strong quarterly commitment to faith they raised her with now that she's college days, aged. Trevor Mickelson was simply stunned at the revelation. I just don't understand it. Almost every single time there was a rained out game or a break between school and club seasons, we had Janie in church. It was at least once per quarter. And aside from the one tournament in 2011, we never missed Easter. It was obviously a priority in our family. I just don't get where her spiritual apathy is coming from. I can't tell you how often we prayed the prayer of Jabez on the way to a game, Janie's mother added. You know, the more I think about it, the more this illustrates how the church keeps falling short, uh, failing this generation, lamented Trevor, citing a recently Googled study by Barna or someone. The Mickelsons further noted that, that, that they have plans to have a chat with the pastor of their church after their younger son Robert's soccer season calms down a bit. <laughs> All in calls for commitment. All in calls for an understanding of what's going on in our day. I'll tell you, I'm greatly concerned about a generation of Christians who see church as a side note of life. It's something that will fit it into our schedule if there's not something else going on. If there's not something else that we're taking. Say, Pastor, do you hate sports? No. If you know me at all, you know how much I love sports. I think they're a great place where we can instill right values in young men and young women's hearts. But I also think there's a role that the church is supposed to play that we're not supposed to subvert and that we can easily undermine. We need to walk and understand this commitment to the kingdom. All in for the, for the word means that you seek it out, that you find the truth for life, and you apply it to all areas of life. This isn't about my opinions. It's not about my desires. It's not about my personal likes or dislikes. It's not about my personal style. I remember years ago when yeah, Jim Baumhardt, who plays a lot of guitar up here on Sunday's Force, showed up at church. He had hair down the middle of his back. And somebody at church asked my dad, he's come to church for a little while, and said to my dad, what are you going to do about his hair? My dad said, not a thing. 
My hair's not his problem. If I, I just want to get Jesus in him. If I get Jesus in him, God will take care of all the rest. We get, we get all freaked out about stuff that's none of our business. And we don't get diligent enough about things that are our business. See, Scripture twisting has always been a part of the world. Jesus condemned it in the Pharisees. Paul and Peter and John had to fight with it in the New Testament. We've seen it in the history of, of our own country with things like slavery and racism that have twisted Scripture for unscrupulous means. But when Christians know the Word of God, it keeps the enemy from having the ability to twist Scripture on us. The all-in looks at the full counsel of the Word. It works to know the Word, and it's changeable by the Word. Some live in fear because they don't know the Word. Some live in doubt because they don't know the Word. Some are getting ripped off because they don't know the Word. But here's a great way to judge the con artist. What does the, the fruit of his path make your life look like when it's done? The one who obeys the word, the one who has obeyed. Listen to what the proverb says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, turn from the evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. All in doesn't simply say the word is true. All in searches to know the truth and to live the truth. All in guards to make sure our own desires and wishes aren't being mistaken for the word of truth. When I was about to turn 16, I was so excited. I was, you know, wanted a car and, and wanted to get my driver's license. And uh, my dad decided to buy me a car. And uh, this is it right there. That's the car my dad bought me. Yeah. Some of you might remember that car. That car, my, that car got delivered. We picked it up the 1st of April. My birthday was not until the 30th of April. That car sat in my driveway for the longest month of my life. My dad, when we got the car home, gave me the keys of the car. And he said, son, here are the keys of the car. Don't drive that car. <laughs> Unless I'm in that car with you, your mom's in that car with you, that car sits right out there. Put these keys up on your dresser. And I went up and put them on my dresser. Now, I want to tell you, I wanted to drive that car. We had a group come through. They sang for us on a Sunday, and they didn't have any place to go for a few days. It was a young group, and my mom and dad were gracious to them and said, listen, you don't have any place to go. Just come stay at our house for a couple of days till you have to go to your next place. And so these guys were staying. It happened to be the week of our school spring break that week, that, 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 that year. And so here they are. They're staying at my house. My mom, my mom and dad, my dad's going to work. My mom's out doing things she's doing. These guys are in our house. And I'm, I'm at the house doing whatever mom and dad tells me to do. And this young guy comes to me one day and he goes, I think he's from Australia or something. And he says to me, uh, is there a McDonald's around here anyplace? I said, yeah, there's one over on MacArthur, just a couple miles away. He says, I love McDonald's. He goes, take me to McDonald's. 
I said, I, I can't take you to McDonald's. I, I don't have a driver's license. He goes, you got a car. I said, I sure do, but I don't have a driver's license. He says, it won't matter. It won't matter. It, we'll go over there. We'll come back. Nobody will even know we're gone. I said, no, 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 no. I'm not taking that car. My dad doesn't want me to take that car anyplace. My dad told me, don't take that. He said, no, your dad will be glad that you took care of your guests. That's what he says to me. I said, no, you don't know my dad. My dad would not be glad. I'm sitting there realizing if I take that car someplace, that, that month probably stretches into years before I see that car again. He finally looks at me and goes, what are you going to do, wimp out on me? And I just said, buddy, I'm just, I'm just telling you, I'm not getting in that car. If you want to, I'll walk with you to McDonald's. But that car is going no place. And you know why I could say it? Because I knew my dad's voice. And I knew what the outcome would be if I broke my dad's voice. It was very clear. Now, what that guy didn't know is I wanted to get in that car so bad. I wanted to do exactly what he wanted so bad. I wanted to drive around and see my friends. It was spring break. It was a beautiful day. I wanted to go do stuff in that car so bad. But I was about two weeks away from being able to do whatever I wanted to do in that car. And until then, I had to know my dad's voice. Because, see, if I got in a wreck, the insurance company, they wouldn't have honored anything. If the police had pulled me over for some reason, they wouldn't have not cared. And my dad would have certainly found out some way. Friends, you've got to know your father's voice. This is why some of us get in so much trouble. This is why we have heartache. This is why the world crashes in around us sometimes. And we wonder why we're not having the blessing of God in our life. It's because we haven't taken time to know the word of God, to know the difference between somebody standing before us telling us something that's true in God's word or somebody standing before us that needs to hear the words that Peter heard when he spoke to Jesus about going to Jerusalem to be crucified. And Jesus looked at him and said, get thee behind me, Satan. What was Jesus saying? You don't have the voice of my father in this. I've heard the voice of my father in this. But friends, you'll never get there until you're all in with the word. Until you make up your mind, I'm going to study the word. I'm going to seek out the word. I'm going to apply the word. If the word says to do it, I'm not going to be wise in my own eyes. I'm going to do what the word of God says. If the word of God says don't do it, I'm not going to make excuses about it and think God's going to understand. I'm just going to obey God all in. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and give the Lord a clap offering today. Come on. Yeah, give the Lord a clap offering right now. Lord, we glorify you. I'm going to ask prayer teams to come down to the front. In just a minute, we're going to open these altars. We're going to sing a song, open these altars. If you have a prayer need in your life, any need. Hey, listen, don't be bashful. Some people continue in problems because they just don't obey the word. Come let somebody pray for you. Amen? Trust God. Prayer changes things. But here's the other deal. Some people are counting on being a pretty good guy 
pretty good gal, going to church a bit. They're counting on that to make it to heaven. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh before the Father except by me. There has to come a point in time in every one of our lives, according to the Word of God, where with our mouth we say it, with our heart we believe it, that he is the Lord and he is our Savior, and where we surrender our life to him. And today, if you haven't done that, you haven't done it in a clear way, don't be like the foolish man who walks out ignoring what the Word says. But come down here when, as others are coming. You come down and you just say, you know what, I want to make sure my heart is right with God, that I am right with God today. Before I go out of this door, get in a car, drive anyplace, I want to be certain my life is right with God. Don't be a foolish person and leave here without knowing that your heart's right with God. Come down and make sure that your heart's right. Every one of these people down here will be happy to pray with you about that very thing. And here's the thing that God promises, that everyone who calls on his name will be saved. Amen? Father, right now, you know the needs in this congregation. I pray that over these weeks as we think about being all in, that we would hear these standards. And Lord, those who are not reading your word every day would begin. Those who are not in discussions about your word would begin. Those who aren't diligent would begin to be diligent to be in places and to learn. Where our lives are crumbling, we'd learn and go and grow so our lives can be lives that are storm-resistant in every way. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that those with needs would come down and be prayed for today and you'd meet with them. And fathers, there are those here today who are far from you, not surrendered their heart to you, that today they would be a wise person. Let's step out, they come down here, and they'll let somebody pray with them in Jesus' name. Will you come right now? Begin to come right now. Please be respectful of those praying down at the front, going grace and peace.